new on Curiosity Stream. Grab your lab goggles. We're out to find the world's coolest, loudest, and most in-your-face experiments. Wow. <laughs> That's impressive. See how hands-on science can change our everyday lives on oddly satisfying science. Plus, from goats to guard dogs, here's surprising stories about the creatures that brought humanity to the next level. It's animals that changed history. Watch now on Curiosity Stream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Welcome to Speak Free with Maddie G, the podcast that celebrates free speech, truth, and open discussion. Hello and welcome to Speak Free with Maddie G, episode 31. I'm joined here today by the Mayor of the Hawkesbury, Sarah McMahon. Um, now, Sarah, we uh, I opened up the floor uh, this week to residents to ask questions, so I do have them uh, saved in my phone. So Can't wait. We'll, yeah, <laughs> we'll read some of them out, um, and I wanted to be as as you know open as as I could with that. Um, sure. Obviously, there's people who wouldn't agree with with things you've done. Um, there's people who do agree with things you've done. So um, we'll we'll get into that. Great. Um, and then we'll also just chat a little bit about you becoming mayor mm-hmm. and um, sort of your plans for the Hawkesbury. Um, in anything we don't cover within those questions. Sounds good. Um, so well, let's uh, let's let's get started. I'm gonna. <laughs> oh, this, this is gonna is, be fun. This is pretty exciting. <laughs> um, so I put them up on a couple of commu- community groups on Facebook, okay. which um, if anyone who people who live in the whole tree, we know how um, how yeah. eager people are on I those. I certainly don't groups. make my decision making as a councillor by reading Facebook comments out of community groups. Let's yeah. just say that for a fact. <laughs> All right, so um, this first one's about the roundabout. This is from a lady called Cherry. Mm-hmm. Um, she said, where, who decided where to place the roundabout at North Richmond? So that was holistically a council roundabout. So for anyone asking, it is a council-funded project. Uh, so yes, ratepayers-funded project. And uh, I know that's caused a bit of contention since it's been there, and I've deliberately gone and had a look myself and driven around it from both directions. So I understand the issues about the proximity of the crossing and also the side street. Uh, I do say to people, if you are concerned, just email me directly and I can pass those concerns on. However, uh, all decision-making done by council is transparent. Uh, Anything in the operational plan or something of this uh, magnitude usually does go through the traffic committee and then comes to council for a resolution. That is all on our business papers. It's all there for people to make public commentary on and to put in a submission. And I keep saying this now, uh, as a councillor previously and as the mayor, if you have a problem, read up with what is going on with council. Knowledge is power, right? If you have the knowledge, you have the power. So go and do your homework and see what council's dealing with. Then you've got that opportunity to make a submission in the allocated time frame. Okay, and do you, I'll just ask you a question with that, um, do you think, personally, when you were driving around the roundabout, were you like, oh, yeah, Oh, it was a bit a- pokey, there's no doubt about it, and uh, when I was coming down Grossvale Road towards the traffic lights, and you see that you've got a bit of free-flowing traffic, but coming over the crossing, um, there's probably only room for one car to stop before the roundabout, so you could potentially get stuck on the crossing, um, depending on how the traffic sort of... Uh, flows. So no, I get it. I get it. Um, I'm happy to have a chat to my general manager and my director of infrastructure about it. Uh, I hear the concerns. I have seen the commentary on Facebook myself. So I'll have those con- uh, chats this week. We meet on a Tuesday every single week. 
uh, and I'll raise them and, and see what can be done. But the fact it's probably built means it's there because there was that window of an opportunity for people to have their say. Yeah, awesome. All right, hopefully Cherry's happy with, uh, with that answer. Well, um, I think it'll, the proof will be in the pudding too, Matt. I think we need to let it flow for a while. It's still a construction site there, so it's still not operational properly without those barriers in the way. So once it... I think the test will be on a school morning when it's really busy and again once the construction uh, equipment's gone and it's a school morning to see whether that flow comes out of Sunnyside Crescent and people can get out easily let, let's give it a test first yeah yeah, yeah well I think I think a lot of people do jump the gun um, you know I, I remember a lot of people being unhappy with the, what was happening at Windsor with the new bridge and sort of how that was going to flow um, but once it was built and it was, I think it flows great there now with that roundabout uh, and that. Yeah, yeah, so that's kind of what I was saying for years uh, as, a, as a supporter of the project. Uh, that project, and I put a Facebook post up actually not long ago uh, in this uh, flood that we just had, which awful, you know, any flood is awful. But in this one, uh, the new bridge didn't go under. And for anyone asking, it's not a flood-free bridge. It is built on a floodplain. It can only be as high as the connecting roads either, either side. Uh, but that bridge didn't go under. Now, every flood's going to be different. But in that particular circumstance, we still had that bridge available for people to get across from either side. Uh, and what the whole purpose of the bridge was a replacement bridge and to solve the traffic problem. I'm sorry, but since that bridge has been constructed, it really has solved the traffic problem. And as someone who used to live at Freeman's Reach and have to come every morning to that point where you had the Freeman's Reach traffic and the Wilberforce traffic and... We had a bit of a thing in the Hawkesbury where we had this goes without saying one for one, you know, you let them out. You could be one or two kilometres back some mornings. I'm sorry, this bridge has solved that. It yeah. just doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And uh, you can sometimes see that when you take a position on something in your community, uh, and I was personally vilified over the, uh, that issue. I had to get an ABO out on a resident over that issue. Had to move house over that resident because of that issue and my stance on it amongst a, a whole range of other things, but predominantly that one. Uh, I guess down the track when you see how things have worked, it justifies your stance on that project. Yeah, yeah, oh, well, I would agree. It's awesome to drive there now. Mm. You know, if I have to go to Windsor, I'll always, I'll never go through the Richmond Way. Yeah. Like from Carajon, I'll yeah. always go the back roads. Yeah, right. Um, we'll move on to the uh, the next one. Uh, this is from Maddie Butler. Um, Hawkesbury resident. He's a, he's a farmer and he says he understands the weather conditions have not been favourable, uh, but what are council's plans to fix the riverbanks all along the river to help the farmers? Thank you for that question and that's a really tricky one and it's something that we're going to as a council go really hard on the next couple of weeks because it's not something that we can approve. It's state government that has to allow that to happen. We don't have the jurisdiction over the riverbanks. Now back in the first significant flood, I know the, the smaller flood happened in 2020 but the first major one was in March 2021. That was when riverbanks were gouged out. Uh, then with the subsequent flood since, it's got worse and worse and worse. Now, every single time a flood has happened, the state government has said to us, oh, we're, we're this close to giving you um, a range of options for people who live on riverbanks to retain their land. So what we were always told was that there'd be four or five options for people to retain their land. You could pick one that suited you. You go to council, you say, I want option B or C. You knew you had to pay for it yourself. So private landholders knew that. There wasn't an argument about that but it was supposed to be a very fast, almost a complying uh, development process. And state government has let, let us down on that. And I don't care what party I'm in. If I'm in the same party as the state government, they let us down. Uh, the last 
response that they gave to our staff was that they wouldn't have an answer till 2023. Now that's not good enough because we've just had our sixth flood, as I said, and every si I'm getting flood warnings now as the mayor, okay, on my phone with the rain predicted over the next few days. Uh, that puts people into a huge amount of anxiety, panicking, stressed about what's going to happen, especially people in the lower areas of the floodplain. So not to have an answer on riverbanks by the state government now and, you know, bureaucrats sitting there in their offices in Sydney saying, oh, look, it'll probably be in 2023, it's not good enough. And I'm happy as the mayor to really take that fight on with the state government for our farmers to say that we need answers now. And I guess, well, with the state government, obviously it is a, it's a liberal held state. Mm. So have you found it easy um, or sort of, I guess, cooperative with the state government so far on this issue? Our or? state member, yes. So Robin really always has the same sort of belief that I do in terms of what we're advocating for. Uh, we're usually on the same page. It's making sure the ministers get over the line. And yes, that's Robin's job as well, to go into state parliament with her colleagues and ensure we get that support. But it's also my job as the mayor. Uh, I've only been in the, the role two months, but I'm already causing fights everywhere because my number one priority is the Hawkesbury community, uh, not a political party. And I think people need to understand that. Yes, I'm a member of a party. Yes, you vote for me as a member of a party. But if just because my party might be in government on another level doesn't mean I can't call out inaction. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, we'll move on to the next question. Um... So this is this is another one from Maddie actually, um, and then we'll move on to some other people. But he he said, uh, why are the construction mobs working so close to the old pills dairy dams in Red Bank to make them vulnerable to bursting? Oh look, I'd have to take that on notice because I don't. I used to live in Red Bank. Um, I don't live in there anymore. But I'm not familiar with the day to day practices of what they're doing near the dams. Although from anything I do know, um, they've been reinforced and are secure, especially when we were having those conversations back in one of the earlier floods this year where there was a potential alert for a dam to spill, which didn't spill, thank goodness. Um, Red Bank has assured us in the past that those dams are secure and reinforced, but I'd have to have a further conversation with them because that's not in our day-to-day -day brief. Yeah, cool. Uh, this one's <coughs> from Stacey. Um, she asked why the roundabout, uh, the construction of the roundabout wasn't pushed back um, when there's numerous damaged roads, 21 potholes she's counted from Bell Mountain to North Richmond, mm -hmm. and why, why are community members spray-painting them um, rather than council spray-painting the potholes? I don't think it's a council policy to spray-paint them, and I will have to check. I don't want to be proven wrong, but I've also never seen council sort of do that in the past. Uh, I know there's a massive issue with potholes in our road. The first thing I did as a mayor was bring a mayoral minute to the chamber to my very first meeting as the mayor about the roads. What I demanded from our staff was I gave them four weeks to deliver a report back to council for transparency and for accountability on the program moving forward. That report, I have shared it on my social media, uh, council have as well. Uh, it's on our website. I know not everyone's online, but that's our main mean of uh, mode of communication unless we're sending out a rates notice or something like that. Um, but people need to read the way forward. It's now all there. Since the middle of the year, our council staff have filled in over 7,000 potholes. I think that's more than we'd normally do in a one or two year period. And it's the wet weather. So they're filling the potholes. They're not setting in time because it's raining again and cars are continually going over work that hasn't set. So they're just ripping them straight back up again. This report identifies all of that. It says the job is bigger than we are right now. We only have a couple of crews uh, in terms of our staff who are doing the day-to-day -day job. 
every single place where they are every day is online as well. So we've implemented that onto our website. You can see every day where our crews are for transparency. Um, in addition to that, the larger amount of works, we need to subcontract people in. So our infrastructure team has put the flood damaged roads into multiple packages. Again, all on our website. Please go read it, everybody. Uh, something that frustrates me so much is when you do see some of that social media commentary online and it's just so factually wrong. And had they taken five minutes to go on council's website and read the information, they may not have you know, made such an inflammatory and incorrect comment. So that's why I keep urging people to read the information that's there. Um, my point was these, these road packages have been bundled up. Uh, one of them is currently out to tender, which should end this coming week. Uh, hopefully we get a subcontractor to come and want to do the work because the problem is uh, that this issue isn't just Hawkesbury. It's across New South Wales. All the councils are fighting over trying to get the limited number of contractors available to do this work. Um, I'm hoping we do. And in that first roads package is really desperate roads like Grono Farm Road, Pitt Town Bottoms Road, a lot of the roads down in Richmond Lowlands, Benson's Lane. Uh, so Connery Road's a shithole <laughs> at the moment. Oh, <laughs> look, but, but so many roads are, Matt, and it's just the Gross job is bigger road. than us. Oh, so uh, that section of Grossfell Road between the Red Bank Roundabout, whatever you want to call it, um, up to Gross River Road is about to be started by Red Bank. Okay. So they're about to start that. That information came out onto Council's Facebook page a couple of days ago. I know that section is horrific. I was up at Bowen Mountain yesterday. I drove over it yesterday. Um, so I just want people to know that's, that's part of uh, the agreement with Red Bank as well, and they're bringing those works forward because they know that it needs to be addressed now. Yeah. Awesome. Um, there's <laughs> there's quite a few about um, <laughs> about roundabouts and and potholes, um, so we won't go into. To Look, it's going them. to be the same answer, Matt. Um, yeah. There's a way forward. There, the roads are split into packages. There's three different pools of funding. There's the funding under the disaster recovery uh, payments, which is the state and federal funding to fix um, flood or damaged roads or storm damaged roads, and that's what I was talking about where we've put all those roads into packages. Then you've also got another bunch of roads under what's called the operational plan. So that's your rates. Um, and all of those roads are there every single and you know year that we pass the operational plan, all on the business paper for people to read what the plan is. So they're kind of working side by side at the moment. So these ones will be subcontracted out. Our crews are doing the potholes and also the, op the work scheduled under the operational plan. Right. And what sort of time frame are you looking at, um, or is the council looking at, to, to get all these complete? Obviously, it's hard when there's so much rain continually coming. It's, everything's weather dependent, but on the operational plan, it's broken into quarters. So um, we split the year into four, and it tells you what quarter it will start and what quarter it will be finished by. We can't give an exact date there because of weather. Um, under the flood recovery um, road packages, as soon as we approve a contractor, we award them the tender. They have to provide our staff with a plan moving forward, um, which is only probably a week or two later, and then we know what order those roads are being done in, and they start immediately. Okay. And the only thing that gets in the way is weather. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. It's probably going to get in the way. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, yes, while well, we're in a... La Nina, yeah. that's the case. Yeah, third one. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. I forget what the sun looks like. Mm. Um, <laughs> Except for last weekend. Yeah, last, last weekend, weekend was, was beautiful. Car where we yeah. had Save the Flavour. Yeah, um, and I will, that went well. That was a council uh, initiative uh, by our staff, uh, thought of through a grant that we received under bushfire funding. 
And all credit to our events and communications team, they put on a Rip River Day. Uh, yes, there were complaints about it being too small and food running out, but in my eyes, they're good complaints to have because it means the event was a success, but we'd need to make it bigger and better next year. So. Yeah, well, you'd rather have food run out than food oh, wasted. Look, so. Well, it was a win-win for the main street because then once the food sort of ran out in the event, they went over to all our restaurants in the main street and the main street was pumping and, you know, it was a hot night kids were in the playground it was fantastic it was a, it was a really good vibe yeah. yeah and they're the positive things about council money the positive yeah. things <laughs> about what council does for the community oh there's plenty of positive things yeah, yeah I'll, exactly. I'll, I'll back you on that 100 <laughs> um this one's from uh, unky um he's uh i, I do know this this guy personally mm -hmm. yeah he's, he's a mate of mine um he said my question for sarah is um instead of building bypasses from north richmond to richmond um, along their designated routes to avoid flooding. Why can't we build a flood bridge like we have from Windsor to McGraws Hill? Um, or like from, mm. yeah, you know, um, like the Horseshoe Valley Way, yeah. which goes from the corner of Chapel Street and Courageong Road straight directly to the hill where North Richmond Hotel is. Eliminate the old road and old bridge and just have exits which lead to old Courageong Road. Oh, I could talk about this one till the cows come home, Manny, because uh, as a federal candidate, which a lot of people know I was as well, I secured in the first federal election, 2019, $200 million plus $50 million from the state government. So $250 million from my advocacy previously as a councillor, uh, where I'd secured $25 million for the business case of the third crossing. Now, when that $250 million was secured, that was based on a previous 2012 study by the RMS, which was a duplication. So it is exactly what your friend is asking about a straight up and down from high point to high point. I don't know what the exact height would it have been, one in 20, one in 30, in terms of flood resilience, I don't know, but it was meant to be from high point to high point. Now, what happened from there is, I guess there was a small sector uh, of the community, um, including um, our federal member, who said that there was a demand for a bypass because Windsor wasn't given its bypass, and we've just touched on that before, that that bridge has worked in terms of a traffic solution. Uh, so there was pressure on a bypass. So it's actually the state government's role to therefore go and design the bridge based on community feedback. So even though I was a councillor and a federal candidate at the time, neither of those levels of, of government had anything to do with the design, okay? So all of the anger, I guess thrown at me towards potentially securing the funding had nothing to do with the design. So that was all transport for New South Wales. They ran information sessions. Um, they created a community group, which I have severe questions about transparency over because even as a councillor at the time when this community group was uh, created, I knew nothing about it. Um, a, whole, a whole bunch of us knew nothing about it and it's something that I think I might actually... Um, now that we're talking about it, ask some more questions about because I don't think the community was uh, fairly and equally represented on that group. And from that came a whole bunch of options that went out to the community. And then the state government came back again with a preferred option, which is the green route. It's not my option. It's not anyone else's option. It's the state government's preferred option. So I had to look at that and go, okay, what are the reasons, uh, balancing those reasons that they came up with this option? Uh, because what people also need to remember is the original brief for this third crossing was not flood related. And if you go back to advocacy by other locally uh, elected people for years back, it's always been a tr for a traffic solution, okay? So that was the brief given to Transport for New South Wales, solve the traffic congestion. 
nothing to do with flood. And no one batted an eyelid back then, did they? Because we hadn't had a flood for 30 years. Yeah. I Granted, now that we've had these six floods, flood resilience needs to be brought into the narrative. 100% agree, hands down. Um, but what people need to uh, appreciate is that bypass, the preferred route of the state government, um, was the green option. But if you, I guess in answering your question about high point to high point, that's originally what I fought for, was high point to high point. Uh, then it kind of got taken out of my hands by the state level of government and it was just nothing I could do. And once they came up with the uh, green option as the preferred option, it needed more funding. So the state and federal government, uh, you know, based on community uh, expectations that it was a bypass, doubled the amount of funding to $500 million uh, for that project. So I've asked the federal member since I've become the mayor, um, that commitment that I was able to make as a candidate, is your new government now going to still honour that? She has said yes, and I'll be holding her to her word that she'll be honouring that. Uh, there may I don't know what's going to happen in terms of the final design that comes out. I've asked both uh, Susan and Robin where that's at. Um, I've been given no information but to say that it should be announced later this year. Um, if it is something that becomes a, um, a duplication, for want of a better word, or maybe a hybrid model of a, of a duplication and still um, sweeping around for the traffic solution, that all remains to be seen. But now that I'm not the federal candidate and I'm the mayor, I'm going to have a pretty loud voice when that uh, option comes out as to what's going to be best for our community. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's hope something it does happen within you know, these three years. I think I it has and to. I think after what we've been through, our community deserves that uh, the answers about what's going to happen with that bridge, just the same as the Gross River Crossing, which is part of the Red Bank development. Again, I wasn't on council when the Red Bank development was approved, but I'm left with um, making sure we get the best out of it as a community. So if we, you know, we've had the new bridge in Windsor, potentially the Gross River Crossing needs to go somewhere up that way, and then, of course, the third crossing of the Hawkesbury River. Um, you know, hopefully we can get all these bridges done and sorted and then have a solution for the community. Yeah. Okay, and um, <coughs> now this one... Uh, this one I will ask you. Um, okay. I did promise I would ask this question. Um, I'm just a messenger, okay? Let's see. <laughs> Okay, this one is from Jared. He says, The community chose not to elect you to represent them as their federal member. Do you not think it's quite tone deaf that you have taken the mayor's role even after the community clearly didn't want you in? The community for a federal seat is a very different boundary to a council area. So the federal seat also takes in the Blue Mountains. So when you look at the uh, statistics in terms of the booth analysis for this seat, Let's go back to 2019, where I almost did win the seat, but for 187 votes, okay? And those votes only came in on day 10 after the election because there's an organisation called Labour Abroad who went and fought for some overseas votes and they all came in on sort of day 10 and, and the narrative changed from there. Um, this time around, there was... I don't take the loss personally because there was a sweeping um, community... I don't know if it's anger or a distaste for Liberals across the nation. So what sort of happened here in Macquarie happened even worse in many other seats across the nation. So I call politics pits and peaks and, you know, the brand or the party that you represent has its low moments. I guess the Liberals 
uh, that for now, um, but it will have its high moments again when Labor destroys our country, which it's on its very grand way of doing right now with some of the worst decisions I've ever seen. Um, so I find that question quite insulting because if you go back to the council elections, which is what a mayor is, the leader of the council, back in December, the highest vote yeah, um, right out of the again. community. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm the mayor based on a vote back in December where we increased our vote, the Liberals, on council. We almost secured our fifth Liberal. Um, so we increased our vote from the council elections before and was one of the first people elected, well, elected in round one. There were three councillors elected in count one and I was one of those councillors. And you don't know what order they're in because they just go alphabetically. Uh, so, no, very happy to be mayor considering I was elected in count one back in December and the mayoralty has nothing to do with the federal candidacy because it's a completely different set of people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Answered very well. <laughs> um, <laughs> and people need to remember, yes, I'm a councillor and the federal candidacy was just a candidacy. I'm sorry, but so many other councillors on my current council have run for different levels of government. Uh, Barry Calvert's been a state Labor candidate forever and a day in multiple elections. I think councillor Danielle Wheeler has run for both state and the federal seat of Macquarie. I don't think she was on council when she ran for Macquarie, but she certainly was when she ran for state. Um, Shane Jurek, our shooter fisher farmer, has run for state and was a Senate candidate when I was a, um, a federal candidate before. He didn't get elected to the Senate, you know what I mean? Like, this is what councillors do. I mean, we're in the... Yes, it's politics, but I call it community advocacy. Whether I'm a, elected as a councillor, that's one level of community, uh, community advocacy with a certain set of uh, rules or jurisdiction... Federal is a different set of jurisdictional um, issues that you deal with. So yeah. um, if you don't want me representing you on those ones, fine. But you've already elected me in the first count on council, so... And I think with federal, sense. what I've... Certainly, you know, <coughs> obviously there's people who who really look into their, their candidate mm. for Macquarie, but a lot of people do vote um, based on the Prime Minister versus the opposition leader, right? Man. And they couldn't care less who is yeah. next to Labor or Liberal on their ballot paper. They're going to vote who they want based to, on the leader to get in as the Prime Minister. It's a completely different kettle of fish. And, and I think also, and it was similar to what happened with Trump in 2020 um, and leading up to, to 2020, mm. uh, but ScoMo, and yes, he made some mistakes along the way, but... Man, looking at the mainstream media's coverage of Albanese compared to their coverage of ScoMo, I think it's just, it's actually ridiculous how much bias there is. It's appalling, actually, yeah. That, you know, ScoMo was just so bashed in the media, you know, especially leading up to, to that election. Yeah. Um, and, and what now, Labor's getting away with is... And, and yeah, every every step along the way, it's, oh, it's <coughs> the previous government's fault. It's the previous government's fault. Yeah. And we knew that would happen, yeah. you know. We could have warned everyone. We did warn everyone. But. Well, they've got their budget this Tuesday, and that will be the telling moment for where the country really sits economically. My fear has always been, and I've said it publicly, that across the 151 seats in Australia leading up to this election, Labor did more pork barrelling than I've ever seen. But, oh, it's not pork barrelling when it's Labor. It's just community commitments. But when it's the Liberal Party, it's pork barrelling. Uh, but they committed so much that my fear is they wouldn't be able to afford it all. Well, Tuesday's going to be the telling time because their ministers have already come out in the media saying that we're in a bad position. Yeah, probably because you're overcommitted to win government. So let's see how the numbers stack up and uh, go from there. Yeah, and, I mean, we're in no position to be spending, you know, any no, money. We're that, no, that we're isn't not. That isn't, you know, and, and the fact that we've seen... You know, overseas handing out money here, money here, money mm. here, money here. Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine. You know, there's people in your country who are struggling, mate. You know, there's people who I, I know personally who have got a second or a third job just to 
put food on the table, not even to live, yeah. just to survive, the you basics. know. And and that should never be the case in this country. Someone mm. shouldn't be working eighty hours a week and barely surviving. Yeah. You know, that's just shouldn't happen. Can I just say one last thing to Jared? I will just remind Jared that uh, a councillor or any councillor elected in the Hawkesbury, it's a part time role. A lot of councillors have full time roles because it doesn't pay enough to um, sustain a family. If you're, which most of us are, uh, we have kids and a family. So a councillor is a part time role. Uh, my federal candidacy was an unpaid role. I did that purely for the love of my community to knock on the doors of government ministers and get benefits for the community and infrastructure and uh, grants that I know the community needed. Um, it certainly never has been about money for me because I haven't drawn an income for <laughs> a decent income, I should say, for quite a few years. Um, and that's how much I love the Hawkesbury. But, um, you know, I, I think people need to understand that, that both those federal elections were done... Um, you don't get paid to be a candidate. You do it for a passion for your area, and it's very important people understand that. So, But I was elected as a councillor, uh, yes, on count one, and as the mayor, I made a commitment to make this role. Uh, I know we're talking about a range of things today, and that's fine because the federal candidacy happened, but the mayoral role is really, to me, a non, I'm trying it to be a non-political role. And if you look at my mayoral page, you'll see that the priority is the Hawkesbury in the community rather than the politics. Yeah. Um, we'll just uh, we'll do a couple more uh, questions and then I have a. a oh, and Jared can put his on. hand up too and run for the next election and have a go. Yeah. Why not, right? <laughs> if you want to have a dick, why don't you have a go? <laughs> oh, he's gonna love that. Oh, good. Uh, I'll say it to his face. <laughs> I'm sorry, I've been through way too much in six years of political life that I will just say it as it is, Maddie. I really. Don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it'd be water off a duck's back at this point, right? Um, so, this one's kind of a three-part question, but it all sort of relates to each other. Um, when will the infrastructure be upgraded in the Hawkesbury to handle all the extra traffic generated by extra housing developments across the Hawkesbury? Um, and how are their, our rates justified in comparison to, say, Blacktown and Nepean councils? Like, how does that work? This well, there's no, there's no real way to justify it. Again, our operational plan with what we're doing for the community based on the rates that we collect from the ratepayers is there every year on the business paper. Go read it. Knowledge is power. I'm sorry, I keep repeating myself. Go read it. It is all there for you. Um, so do your homework and go and have a look because you'll see what roads are getting done with your rate money. Um, in terms of looking at the councils around us, whether that's Blacktown or Hills or Pen... New on Curiosity Street. Get ready for the best of the best with our 100 Days of Curiosity, featuring fan-favorite titles like Light on Earth with Sir David Attenborough. Join me on a journey like no other. Stephen Hawking's favorite places. It's a crazy world out there. The History of Home with Nick Offerman. Not my home, just homes. Other people's homes. And many more. Don't miss 100 Days of Curiosity, happening right now on Curiosity Street. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. They have a larger rate base than we do, and that's because they have more uh, development, whether it's residential or commercial. They have more. We are restrained, constrained here in the Hawkesbury because of the floodplain and because of the bushland. Uh, we've already reached our housing target, which is set by the Greater Sydney Commission, and our housing target for 2030 was 5,040 homes, I think it was, uh, with the Red Bank development. Again, I wasn't here. I didn't approve it. And the Jacaranda Ponds development, again, wasn't on council for that one. Those two developments, plus Vineyard Stage 1, which is a state government, uh, the state government has said that that's a zone 
for um, some housing development. With those three going ahead, we reach that housing target. So um, obviously we'll have a new amount of ratepayers from people who build and buy homes in those developments, but that's basically going to be it, Maddie. We just don't have the ability to become a Hills, a Penrith or a Blacktown, and I think that's good. That's what makes us I unique. I think that's good too. And that's what makes know, us unique. Driving through those areas, yeah. that's the last thing I want the Hawkesbury to become. You know. It never will be. I don't think you'll find one councillor who'll ever say that. I think that the thing we always need to fight for is services, better services here in the Hawkesbury. We need to attract uh, businesses or people that provide services into our area because um, it's an attractive place to want to work. So I will always advocate for more commercial or industrial opportunities here, but in terms of housing, as I said, we've reached that target. Once those homes are built, we're there. Yeah, awesome. Uh, this one's from <laughs> Suzanne. Uh, why are trees being added <laughs> along the park side of Richmond's Main Street, which is full of trees and it's reducing parking? Uh, won't it cause issues in the future with size of the trees and their roots affecting the road? Okay. But she did say the new paving on the sidewalk is nice. It is nice, isn't yeah. it? Okay, so let's go back to square one for this as well. And again to Suzanne, uh, bless you for your question. And But to everyone else who asks the same question, it's on the website. It's in the business papers. Go and do your homework. It's all there. You had an opportunity to have a say on that as well. It went to public exhibition. It's called the Livability Program. Now, way back when, um, or it would have been in last term of council, uh, I'm sure that everybody knows we're getting a Western Sydney airport, okay? So we're getting a brand new airport. Based on that, the state and federal government came together and said to the eight uh, Western Sydney councils around the airport area, let's come together and do what they called a city deal. So under that city deal was a whole bunch of things to help the local councils deal with the fact that this airport's now uh, coming our way. One of the things under the city deal is they said to every council, we'll give you a pool of funds. You go back and decide as a chamber what you want to do with that pool of funds and we'll give it to you and, and you go ahead and do that. The program that we decided to do with those pool of funds was called the Livability Program. And that was in, uh, doing up the town centres of Richmond, Windsor and South Windsor. This went <laughs> to the community. This was debated in the chamber for a good few years. So if, you were, if you're not paying attention to your local council matters, you've had your opportunity to have a say on this. I, I, I can't stress that enough. It was out there, it was on our Facebook pages, it was in our meetings, we debated about it, we all used to share it on social media. Um, <clears throat> you know, the opportunity was there. And so $15 million came from the state and federal governments for the city deal, another $3 million chipped in by Hawkesbury City Council. So you just have over $18 million in this program. Um, and this is what we decided to do with the money. Uh, there was so much community consultation done on it. Uh, paving looks great, but one of the biggest things that the people who did participate in that consultation wanted was uh, green, leafy um, commercial precincts. So we did what the people said, who responded to our surveys and our uh, feedback, and trees have gone in. Now, I don't know exactly what the number of car spaces are in South Windsor, but I do know in Richmond the staff are telling us if you actually add up, you know, the size of where the trees are going, there's a loss of between, and please don't quote me, I'll have to go check, but I'm sure it's only two to three car, car parking spaces. Um, I ask people to have a vision. Please have a vision for the future. You give that five to ten years, those trees will grow and we will have a beautiful, green, leafy, shady main street, okay, if we're talking about Richmond for now. 
look at the um, I'm glad they didn't plant plane trees that would be a problem but look at the plane trees now in this season as you drive into Richmond right it's beautiful yeah now I'm sure when they were planted when they were twigs back in the day people see it's my favorite saying um, people would have gone what's I can't see the vision for that you've got to have a long-term vision imagine Richmond in 10 15 years time with these trees growing in beautiful shady places for people to visit and shop yeah I will address though um, we had a councillor round table the other night, which was something I've initiated as the mayor, where we all sit in a room with the general manager and leave the politics at the door and we just talk about community issues. And one of the things that was raised many times by many councillors is a lack of parking in uh, particularly those three town centres. Uh, so we are going to have a very big discussion because council owns a lot of the car parks. Why not make them two or three storeys high? We might have to go into a joint venture with a car park operator like Wilson or someone who does car parks. Um, but the, the fact was, yeah, oh, I, I don't know. But look, <laughs> even if it has to be for a small amount of time, um, again, don't know. We're in early stages of discuss discussion. But what was nice is that pretty much all councillors from all political parties agreed that this is something we might want to pursue as a non-political project together just to get more parking in there. So that conversation is happening as well. Yeah. Awesome. Um, there's just a couple more. Um, and, and also to anyone who did send in a question, I haven't said your name on here and that. It's only because we've asked a question that's similar and that, that's the only reason I haven't asked it um, because you're going to just get the same answer. And um, now there was one um, and I'm trying to find it because I know it is here. <laughs> um, but yes, there was another one about uh, roundabout at uh, Yabani, um, which is Yabani Avenue. Um, in Red Bank. In Red Bank. Yeah, apparently it looks like um, a launch pad <laughs> rather than a roundabout. Oh, oh, is that the one near the display homes, maybe? Possibly, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. And... I know the one they mean. You sort yeah, there's of quite a few comments about that okay. before I even put this up. Yeah. yeah, I guess if you're coming down the main um, road of Red Bank and then you're going through that roundabout, you actually have to really have to go around it to then come back onto the road. Uh, I don't know. I'm not an engineer. I couldn't comment on why. Sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. That's okay. And um, a friend of mine, uh, Chelsea, did ask, um, Is will there be a youth centre? Um, is that something you want to look at, a youth centre that people can get to easily with public transport uh, for the youth of the, the whole yeah, community? Yeah, so the South Windsor Indoor Stadium is now run by the PCYC, so Police Citizens Youth Centre. So. Yeah that specifically. That was um, an existing council asset that we had, but the state government gave, I think it was $13 million to that centre and said, right, the PCYC is coming in because no one can ever argue against the programs that the PCYC deliver to the community. Um, they have a police officer who works out of there now and does a lot of engagement with the kids. I think, oh gosh, you'd have to look it up on the website, but I'm pretty sure they were doing a breakfast club at one point. Um, they do have a bus, they pick kids up um, that are part of certain programs, they come back to the centre and they do you know, lots of sporting stuff as well as um, talk about their issues and things like that. So the PCYC, the police are already in there in the centre and it's, I've seen the plans and the designs and so of all councillors for the um, build to the centre so to make it bigger. Um, it's going to be amazing. It's really going to be a state-of-the-art centre for our youth. So in answer to that question, we are getting it here in the Hawkesbury and it's going to be amazing. My belief is it will have a bus that does pick people up. Um, but it's also 
uh, pretty accessible with the existing bus routes as well. So when that build happens, it will be amazing. But to know that we now in Hawkesbury have a PCYC and have that really positive and friendly relationship with the police is a really good thing because kids need to know the police are there to help. They're not always there to get you in trouble. Yeah. So it's important. Yeah. I think that is important too. Yeah. Um, well, that's. Uh, we'll leave the resident questions there. Um, thank you for answering them. Oh, look, um, I'm happy and... to. And I just want to say about the resident questions, thank you for asking them. Um, I will always answer them to the best of my ability, as I've done today, but I can't stress to everyone enough to please go and be on top of what your council is doing, because the more you know about what your council is doing, the more you can have a say, put in a submission, tell us you hate what we're doing, tell us you love what we're doing, but have a say and have a voice at the time where you've got that window to change or make an impact on a project. Yeah. Awesome. Um, now, we did talk a little bit off-air about this, um, and you wanted to sort of address this, and I think, I think it's good to address. Um, now, obviously, over the, you know, the course of the, the history in Hawkesbury, and from what I've seen you know, growing up, I don't think there's been quite a candidate that's, you know, whether it's federal or, or, or a councillor or a mayor, that's quite, um, I guess, brought a, gets so much negative comments and feedback and it seems like people almost enjoy doing that to you um and you've talked about it on the podcast before only a certain um, small vocal minority yeah and yeah and i'm not saying it's it's across the board but well if it was across the board i wouldn't get the highest vote, right, exactly. would i on yeah. council <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and um and i think i think people on that side of of politics and we've talked about it before mm. do seem to be the loudest do seem to be the most yeah. um irate and mm. um <laughs> and come across probably the most vicious um, but why do you think that has sort of, I guess, followed you um, over the last, I'd say, yeah. since probably the, the, especially since the, not the, just the recent federal election, but the one yeah. before? Um, why do you think that's happened? To, I'd love to, to be able to answer that in a nutshell, but I don't know. So I think when I first got elected to council, I just, for about the first year, I didn't encounter any of this. Uh, I think then what had happened in my personal life, I was getting a divorce and I moved into Windsor, so right near the proximity of the tent protest. Um, I don't know whether that... Uh, that's when I can pinpoint to me, um, I started having people hanging around my house in Windsor. So that was the first time I ever had people... Like, um, even though you're an elected person, you are still entitled to your privacy, and I couldn't believe that people were hanging around my house taking pictures... Um, filming me and my kids, uh, it, dressing up as council workers to pretend they had a reason to be there. It was really bizarre to me. I never understood it. I think because I'm a, I have a loud voice and I call things out, I think they didn't like the fact that I was calling it out. So instead of stopping, they ramped it up. And then I think because I dared put my hand up for to be a federal candidate, um, I don't know, I could be wrong, and I'm sure plenty of people will blast me for this comment, but I just feel like, you know, I'm obviously on the right side of politics, but the left side of politics, um, they can have people to me, and it's just my, this is my story, this is my history, way more vicious um, than the supporters, I guess, here in the Hawkesbury on, on the right side of politics. And it's like the rules and the law almost don't apply to this certain group of people who have persecuted me and my family um, all this time. I think there wasn't so much of this during the first federal election, but Maddie, I think the fact that I almost won the seat um, set me up, unfortunately, for three years leading into the next federal election where these people had been given a mission from a higher person 
to try and destroy my reputation. Uh, and a good way to do that is through Facebook groups and online social media. So uh, this group of people set up a whole suite of community pages and spoke about me and tried to destroy my credibility every single day. Now, I could have either crawled in a hole and went, wow, I can't handle this, or I can just keep getting up and showing up every day, which is what I've decided to do, because I know there's been a range of things in the community that through my advocacy, the Hawkesbury has benefited from. So that's what gives me hope and inspiration to keep going. But look, I really don't know why, the word I use is fixation. There's a group of people fixated on me and my family, and if you look at um, the other 13 elected people in the Hawkesbury, so the other 11 councillors, a state and a federal member. I'm sorry, I can't see anything online in the Hawkesbury groups where anyone else is fixated on anyone else's elected um, representatives, family members. To me, family's out of bounds. Um, you shouldn't be talking about our family members. They're private citizens. We are the elected reps. T say you hate me all you want. I, I put my hand up for this job. My family didn't. Um, so for that group of fixated people to continuously talk about my family and my wider family and the choices that they all make in their lives um, is quite sick. And, uh, you know, I've asked the federal member to call that out. Um, that hasn't been called out. Uh, I find that quite concerning why that hasn't been called out. Uh, but I can't answer the question succinctly for you. I don't know why these people feel that they have to wake up every day and decide I'm going to go and harass Sarah McMahon. Yes, it's been a name change. It's called a divorce. <laughs> Welcome to 2022. <laughs> I know there's a lot of people that were fixated on that. Why'd she change her name? Oh, my gosh, oh, she no. got divorced. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, how dare that happen? But, you know, what was I going to do? Keep the name Richards forever or go back to being me? You know, yeah. of course I wanted to go back to being me. Did you, was that, did that happen... I don't know if this is too personal, but did that happen before the federal and you decided to keep yeah, it? Yeah, so I was more? divorced in 2019, yeah. So I, and I wanted to change my name then. Um, obviously, I went and asked for advice from a whole range of people close to me who said, well, people know you as Sarah Richards. I think you should stay as Sarah Richards. I think it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and so I did for a couple of years more. Um, but, yeah, after I lost, leading up to the federal election and after it, I sort of went, politics is one facet of my life, but it's not my entire life. And I want to go back to being me, who I was for all my life until, um, you know, 25 when I changed my name. Um, and I don't actually have to live my life by anyone else's rules but what's in my heart. So I just woke up. Actually, Mum came over one day and we were having a talk and I said, you know, I really want to go back to McMahon. I really just don't know how I should do it. And that's what she said. Politics isn't your whole life, Sarah. You have a life outside of it. Be who you want to be. So... Within the next 20 minutes, Mum and I are at the RTA starting the process. So, And I just look at me smiling about it. I feel so much better being Sarah McMahon. Yeah. I really, really do. And if people say, oh, she changed her name for whatever reason, or do you think if I changed my name to Hyde, I'd be the mayor of Hawkesbury? Like, I don't think so. <laughs> I think the mayor, the mayor position has actually been a really nice way for people to go, oh, why the name change? And then say, you know, just like half the population out there, I've also had a divorce. And it's just life. Yeah. It's just life. Yeah. Um, but back to your original question, I don't know. I have now got... Um, I'm getting information from the police now about certain aspects of this again. The fact I'm the only one in the Hawkesbury who's ever had to put an A that I can think of as an elected person who's had to put an ABO on a resident, I find that shocking. And when you go through the brief of evidence of what this person was doing to me and my family, it's disgusting. And you've got other people in this community who still support that person and their um, disgraceful behaviour. So 
I don't know the answer. I just want it to stop. Like, I'm, it's not going to make me stop my job, but just stop. Just grow up. Yeah. Just you did, stop. You mentioned that it hasn't been called out by the federal member for no, the inquiry. It hasn't been. Um, why do you think that is? And to, to me, it seems quite hypocritical, especially when it's another female in that position. And these people put on red Labour t-shirts, yes. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, so the so. association is there. Yeah, and she would know about it. Just... Shares their content. Yeah. Shares their content. So there you go. And, you know, I'm not here to cause trouble today, Maddie. I'm trying, as I said, as the mayor to be non-political, but I also am not going to shy away from pure hard, cold facts. Yeah. And that's a hard, cold fact. Um, and I think that it's unacceptable. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, now, this will be the last question I ask on, on the federal election. Um, obviously, I, this is the first time I've seen you since, since then. I was texting you that day. Um, and sort of talk me through what, when you realised the way the night was going, um, was there a moment for you that you went, okay, it's... I just need to have a break and then sort of regroup, or did you know straight away that you were, okay, you know what, let's focus on the Hawkesbury, let's be a councillor, let's get straight back into that, or did you, yeah? Well, I already was a councillor, and yeah. yeah, I was already doing that job. Again, this was just a candidacy. Yeah. Um, like every other councillor who's decided to have a go at another level of government, just because it's just different things you get to decide upon, you know? So, look, but early on in the night, I think it would have been a, at least an hour into it, I knew it was not going to go our way, which was a very different feeling from three years ago when we basically won it that night, you know, just to have it slip away ten days later. Um, so it was a very different feeling, but the duty senator for the seat of Macquarie was the former Foreign Minister, Maurice Payne, and she's become you know, a good friend and someone who supported me through it. And she was sitting next to me um, through that night. Um, she was sitting next to me as some of her most very dear friends also lost their, their seats. So, uh, you know, people like Trent Zimmerman, uh, Jason Falinski, Josh Frydenberg. So, you know, her really dear friends losing their seats as well. And it's the will of the community. That's fine. That's an election. That's democracy. I get it. But sort of it was a very sombre moment sort of that whole night and being there and realising that the country was about to change significantly and so I guess yes I lost that night but that was just a candidacy and here I am I was still the day before and the day after I was still a Hawkesbury City Councillor and I did not have on the agenda to be the mayor for anyone who's watching I it wasn't part of my plan it wasn't something I wanted to do but for anyone who knows what my dear friend Patrick and his family went through with the home invasion, uh, there's not one person on this planet who could ever say um, that Pat didn't do the right thing by putting his family first. And I guess in me speaking up for the stuff that, that had happened to me and my family, that's also me putting my family first and saying it's not okay. Um, but what happened with Patrick uh, and the significant trauma that obviously he and his family suffered, you know, uh, whenever it was, that he tapped me on the shoulder and kind of said, Sarah, I need to step down. I need to take something off my plate. Uh, and this is what I want it to be. And I was kind of in shock that this was happening, but absolutely supportive of his move. So, of course, then the conversation starts taking place between the 12 councillors. Well, who's got the most support? And I feel very blessed and humbled that a majority of councillors said, well, Sarah, you've fought for this community for so long. 
uh, even at the highest level, please continue to be our voice and be our leader. So I was very humbled by that. And I do hope that in the two months since I've taken on this role, people see me. I know we're being political in this chat. This is different. But in my mayoral role within the community, being really non-political, just being collaborative, inclusive, uh, open to everyone's ideas and making sure that I'm supportive of the community when they're going through a rough time, like with the, you know, the floods, and just being there. And, you know, this is just my journey. People can like it or cannot like it, but this is the cards that life dealt me, so I'm just going to go with it. Yeah. Um, well, we'll leave the politics there. Um, I do want to ask you two more questions. Um, just in your role as mayor, obviously you've been vocal um, about the raising of the War Again, the damn wall. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me from your own expertise, obviously you've talked with a lot of people about this, mm-hmm. um, a lot of experts about this, um, and what will that do for the Hawkesbury um, within a flood mitigation? Yeah, so council has two current resolutions Uh, in regards to flood mitigation. The first one is an immediate resolution and the second one is a longer-term resolution. So the the immediate resolution is to ask the state government to lower the dam level now to mitigate while we're in this declared third La Nina. Lower that dam level and give us a buffer when the rains are here. Uh, The second longer-term commitment... uh, Sorry, resolution that we have is to support the raising of the Warragamba Dam Wall. Uh, That's something we've supported for a little while now. Although since the last election maybe it was um we've supported that um that's going to be a 14 meter high wall with permanent airspace except for when it fills up when we're in a wet weather event but it's not to fill it up to the top again because what would be the point um it's to give that airspace and the reason is because currently it's only a water storage dam and i've been very vocal i met with the water minister a couple of weeks ago change the legislation to not just be water storage but also flood mitigation now Uh, and if you're worried about the cost or water new south wales is worried about the cost of letting all that water out well i'm sorry you've got a cost when we're flooded and you've got to now deal with the bill for recovery yeah billions right yeah so to me that argument doesn't stack up uh just protect our community and lower that dam level now i also have a personal belief of the fact that we need more dams in this country and in these big wet cycles like we're in now, we should be building dams and storing that water for the yeah. drought. That's smart governance. That's future-proofing Australia. So they're the things that we need to do. Uh, but in terms of what council's position is currently, they're the two positions. So the Warragamba Dam Wall, we welcome the advancement of the state government to making it critical state-significant infrastructure. That's fantastic. But right now, as I said, flood warnings coming on my phone again. I think it's only um, for a minor flood. Uh, this weekend but of course we all watch every single minute what's going on but um, we need that water level you know lowered now so we've got a unanimous unanimous position from councillors on that and we will there's actually uh, something in the works this week uh, about stepping up our advocacy for the community in that regard yeah and you you touched on building more dams do you think there is a lack of vision across the board um, whether it's labor or liberal um let's be apolitical, um, but a lack of vision uh, when it comes to those in these, you know, high positions, whether it be the Prime Minister, whether it be the Liberal, uh, whether it be the State uh, Premier, um, do you think there is a, yeah, a lack of vision to go and build these dams and to, yeah. so, because sure enough, after this wet season, we're going to go hit another drought That's probably. Australia for you, you know? yeah. so Correct. That whether it's a lack of vision or a lack of um, backbone to make the decision, I don't know what, maybe it's a mix of both, but I think that, uh, 
not any particular decision maker, but decision makers as a whole over the last couple of decades have been almost too scared to make those really bold decisions. And I, I talk about really visionary projects and I call them like the Harbour Bridge project. So when that was built back in the 20s, I think it was the 20s, 1920s, oh my God, we're in the 20s now, yeah. 2020s. When it was built back in the 1920s, and they made it so wide to have so many lanes. That was visionary for the time, right? Yeah. That was vision. So we need a project now that has that same foresight for the future, whether it's uh, multiple dams, whether it's very fast trains, uh, whatever it may be. We are, we're a bit behind in Australia when it comes to those sorts of things. And you do see other countries just getting on with the job and doing those things. Uh, we need to just do it as well. But the problem is... I don't know if it's the way we're governed or what it is, but you need a thousand and one reports. Well, that's what I think. Right? There is. It's just so much red tape. Red bullshit. tape everywhere. <laughs> and it's just yeah. Yeah, bureaucratic nonsense. You can't um, get anything done. And I think, yeah. though, it also opens up um, the idea of extending the federal government's term by one more year. We have four years on state government. I really am an advocate for four years on federal government because if it's only a three-year cycle, which it is now, you spend a year finding your feet, you spend one year maybe governing, you spend the last year in election mode, yeah. right? So that cycle is way too political. You just need to give, whether it's Liberal or Labor, you just need to give a government the opportunity to govern. Maybe three years for Labor, four years for Labor. You don't want to rule the country too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm very nervous about our future. Yeah, anyway. so am I. But um, I do, we'll, we'll end on sort of what, in your role as mayor, what are some big goals that you want to see uh, for the Hawks Rig? Yeah, so my mayoral term at this stage ends in January 2024. That'll be another internal vote amongst the councillors. That's the model we're under. If you don't like it, we can put it to a referendum, but that does cost the ratepayers a lot of money. Um, and, you know, because different councils operate under different models. Uh, but then there will be election again in uh, September 2024. Um, a general election as well. So if I'm locked in till January 2024, a couple of things that I want to do um, is look at other ways for council to make money. And that goes back to your question about ratepayers. Without an expanding rate base, we're just not going to be able to deliver services to the extent people want them to because the price of services are going up, but our rate pool staying the same. So we need to find ways for council to make money, whether that is... Um, what we've discussed as councillors in ways to do that is to maybe the other thing we want to focus on is affordable housing so houses um, for people who aren't on such higher wages so there's probably some partnerships we can go into with housing providers uh, that gives council a further income stream but also ticks that same box of providing affordable housing for our more vulnerable uh, residents so they're things we want to focus on definitely the car parking was something that we want to focus on getting our roads on you know, up to scratch is always going to be number one right now because we're always on the roads every single day. Um, I've lost a tyre, as everybody knows, just like everybody else. So I'd have to actually prioritise it with roads, finding other ways for council to make money, um, looking at our car parking in our town centres and probably tourism. There's a lot of things that we're discussing, again, as a collective body, all on the same page about bringing visitors into the Hawkesbury. I want the Hawkesbury to be spoken about from people in the city, you know, I'm going for a weekender in the Blue Mountains or I'm going for a weekender in the Hunter Valley. I want people to say, I'm going for a weekender in the Hawkesbury. 
You know, we've got so much heritage and history here and uh, the river and nature and bushwalking and businesses um, who make and grow their own stuff. We have a good story to tell. I just feel like it's never been put together yeah. properly. Uh, so they're the things that I want to explore at least over the next 12 months anyway. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, we'll leave it there. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming in. Thanks for having and, me. And uh, congratulations on becoming mayor. Thank and, you. And, um, yeah, remember, guys, speak free with Maddie G.